There is a specter haunting Europe, blue as a bloodless corpse, ravenous as the greed in men's hearts. It is sneering. It is rotund. It is the muncher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was probably the best thing to happen all week. Yeah, just um, imagine if you get a, a Ghostbusters Happy Meal from the McDonald's and your kid gets the muncher toy. <laughs> then you realize you didn't order a Happy Meal. Then you realize you don't ha- you don't have kids. You look in the back seat. The kids are gone. Who's there? The muncher. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, we we've been pretty upfront about the fact that we don't especially like Ghostbusters, but um, just the image of this like melting blue chicken McNuggy, just like peeking its head yeah. out from a corner, going yeah. Yeah, he looks kind of like the Grimace if the Grimace were made out of blue cum. That's what it is. He's he's like a a, a very uh, slimy Grimace. Yeah, yeah. So like, this this is gonna be an animated film, though, right? No, no. This this for the live action movie that we got the teaser for like two years ago. Oh, yeah. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was. You had to- the Slimer. Now it's time to get the Muncher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like. People like Slimer. They made him the mascot of the cartoon. Yeah. Are, are kids going to want to, like, cuddle up in bed with a plushie of the muncher? <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it should probably be a, considered, like, a, a crime to uh, expose children to the muncher. Like, that <laughs> seems that seems like a sex crime. Well, his name is the muncher. <laughs> yeah, nom, nom, nom. For whom does the muncher munch? <laughs> Ask not for whom the muncher munches. It munches for thee. So welcome back to another iteration of Splatterpunks. My name is Ness. And David. And uh, we're going to kick off the hour doing something that we haven't done in a while. A news segment. Yeah. Coming in on the transel right now. It's the news. Yeah. Like uh, last year, you know, 10 years ago when we started this show is what it feels like. Uh, we yeah. used to try and uh, open this up by talking about some up and coming horror news, but then we real, but then because of this fucking pandemic, all of the news just came to a halt. All that there was to talk about was what's getting uh, postponed or canceled this week. Yeah, which after a while, kind of gets grating. Yeah, but um, this last week uh, has actually been very busy, so we actually do have some. Uh, some items of note to uh, to open up the hour with. Yep. Obviously, the muncher is the most noteworthy <laughs> item. <laughs> yes. The muncher is still at large. Beware the muncher. Beware the muncher. <laughs> but aside from the muncher, um, probably the biggest bit of news was um, uh, late last week, uh, I forget if it was Thursday or Friday, Capcom hosted their RE Showcase basically showing off the Resident Evil content that they have coming imminently. I don't know if you heard anything about that. No. I'm not I'm not, uh, not much up on the uh, the gaming news or Capcom news or Resident Evil news, really. Have you seen memes about people wanting a nine-foot-tall woman in a large hat to step on them? Yes, I have seen those. <laughs> That's, yeah, the, yeah the, the RE showcase did that. <laughs> Uh, okay yeah i i did see some stuff about that and i was just kind of like why is everybody wanting this like giant woman to step on them (laughs) bitches want to fuck monsters what do you want what else do you need to know yeah but yeah um so the uh the the upcoming resident evil title uh has uh was announced uh jesus a year or two ago uh resident evil 8 it's yeah it's it's officially called Resident Evil Village, but I refuse to call it that. 
and it's it's rendered in such a way so that the V, the I, and the two L's in village look like a Roman numeral eight. Ah, clever, clever. It's it's really not, but <laughs> it's probably worse than Mortal Kombat X because at least that was you know in a very Mortal Kombat sort of tone. Yeah. Well, Mortal Kombat began life as a very extreme uh, franchise, so it, it it was it was the fighter for Generation X. Yeah, it, it, well, I Mortal it, that would probably be either Mortal Kombat or Primal Rage, Mortal, or maybe kill, maybe Com- Killer In- maybe Killer Instinct. Mortal Kombat had the most staying power of the three. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of which one was like basically most like the real world version of Bone Storm. <laughs> Tattoo Warriors. <laughs> True. <laughs> tattoo Warriors is the real life bone storm. <laughs> Buy me Tattoo Warriors or go to heck. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, Resident Evil 8 is, uh, I think, effectively done. Like it's slated for a May release date. Yeah. And. Uh, as part of the showcase, they released uh, both a trailer and a roughly 20-minute playable demo kind of showing off some of the visual aspects of it. And, you know, main takeaway was uh, uh, stupid, uh, sexy vampires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as, as is often the case. Well, that's actually a new thing for Resident Evil because they've done a lot in the past, but I don't think vampires have ever been in the mix. Yeah. You know, they, they had a monster but, in Code you know, Veronica called the Nosferatu, but it wasn't an actual vampire. He was just weird. He was just ugly. Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> at this point, they're pretty much like the 10 millionth people to do the sexy vampires. So. Yeah, but these sexy vampires, you know, it's like, I don't know. I'd let Lady D step on me. Yeah. Yeah, so would half the internet. <laughs> it's, it's a very horny place. Yeah, I, I didn't get to uh, play through the uh, the demo myself since I don't have a current gen system, but I did watch a couple of walkthroughs of it, and it was confusing in a way. This game runs on the uh, RE engine that they uh, debuted with Resident Evil 7, uh, which was, you know, probably one of the best-looking games on last-generation hardware. And, you know, they were kind of... They, they did this uh, playable, like, escape room, essentially, where you have to like escape from the evil vampire castle to kind of uh, with no combat or anything to kind of like show off some of the graphical details of the game. And like the first half of it was just kind of in like a dreary dungeon sort of environment that didn't really, I don't think really showed off what it was uh, really capable of. So that was a weird choice. Yeah. So make like one of the most graphically advanced games of the generation, but then uh, make it basically just all uh, concrete blocks. Yeah, kind of, at least for the first half of it. You do eventually, like, get into, like, the castle proper, which is all very, like, Baroque and gilded, and it looks fantastic, um, as do the, uh, the the handful of character models that you get to see. Yeah, well, maybe, you know, it, it, if they're building a whole game engine, that's obviously, like, a generational project, too. Like, they're planning to use it for the next, like, 15 years, so... Well, no, it is an old engine because, like I said, they 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 debuted at last generation. Yeah, same engine that uh, RE2 and RE3 remake ran on. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and those games look great too. But yeah, well, I mean, they they yeah, they're making them. Um, they made it for seven, but they were just kind of like, you know, seven's not going to be like, you know, it's not going to showcase the full extent of what this thing's capable of. But you know, we're going to be using this engine for the next like five games in the series. So. And the other main takeaway from uh, the non-playable trailer that they showed was, uh, yeah, this 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 game is a very uh, very Resident Evil Four vibes. You know, it's, it it's called Village. Starts out in a remote European village, like RE4. Yeah. So already like baseline creepy right there. Yeah. Just yeah, Eastern, and... just Eastern Europe in general. Well, in Resident Evil Four, it was Spain, but yeah. Like somewhere up in like uh, the the mountains, yeah. But but uh, you know you know you know uh, European village vibes. Yeah, just creepy Europeans. Yeah, bunch of bunch of uh, like farmers like in overalls that all uh, just kind of like staring at you, not blinking, holding pitchforks. Yeah, maybe a couple torches. And then part two of uh, Resident Evil Four was set in a castle, 
which seems to be what they're focusing a lot of uh, of the uh, the hype train for uh, Village on. Ironically, given that it's called Village, bitches love castles. Bitches love castles. Castles full of like Elizabeth Bathory esque vampire doms. I mean, what else would you put in your castle? In <laughs> uh, Resident Evil Four, is mostly bug monsters. Yeah, that's true. But <clears throat> historic, you know, that, that's kind of more the historical uh, outlier because. For hundreds of years, castles were occupied by vampires. Yeah, they just didn't suck. They just usually didn't suck blood in the literal sense. Yeah, and it seems like uh, the Umbrella Corporation has graduated from mostly producing zombies and frog monsters to uh, producing ten uh, uh, foot tall uh, sexy vampires. What is the fucking business model of this company? <laughs> <laughs> who's them? Who's paying for all of these fucking bug monsters and giant vampires? All right, yeah, well, don't answer the last one, but. Uh... You know, the, the funny, thing, monsters. The funny huh? thing about that is that they've done like half a dozen spinoffs trying to explain it. And the more they explain it, the more baffling it becomes. <laughs> they, they pulled a uh, like clone saga. Where it's just much, like yeah. every, every time they just dig themselves deeper. Yeah. Every answer you solve just raises five more questions. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, uh, given the choice between uh, zombies and uh, giant vampires, I, for one, welcome our new Amazonian vampire overlords. Yeah. And, and as a, uh, a well I'm pretty sick of zombies. And as a well-liked and respected uh, podcast personality, I can be useful to you in luring uh, my fellow humans to uh, serve in your blood farms. <laughs> uh, so are, 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 is this your way of saying that you're leaving the show to become a uh, vampire thrall? Are, are you not? <laughs> that wasn't the only thing they talked about at the showcase though because there is also a multiplayer component of sorts it's less of a multiplayer mode and more of like a standalone multiplayer game that comes bundled with it if you buy it and uh it, yeah it's called uh resident evil reverse mm. you know re capital v Earth. ah yeah. They're really they're really leaning into that uh, stylizing kind of stuff. Sure are. And um, from yeah, that uh, has not had a playable demo yet. But from the footage I've seen, um, it's Fortnite. Yeah, they're just they're just doing a Fortnite. <laughs> well, I mean, which on one honestly, hand I understand because the point of the uh, RE2 and RE3 makes was to kind of like help reintroduce Resident Evil to a younger audience. Yeah, and uh, in order to reach a younger audience, you just need to make it Fortnite. Yeah, yeah, and those remakes worked because they did sell very well. Uh, but you know, you know, it sold even better. Fortnite. Yeah, frankly, I'm surprised that it stuck around this long. I would have thought that it would have died like a year ago. I, yeah. you know, I thought it was just like a meme game. Like people were playing it, uh, you know, because it was mildly uh, entertaining for a bit, and you get to do the floss dance. Yeah, but yeah, I, I guess there hasn't been like an heir apparent to uh, step up and take its place. So true. We're just stuck with Fortnite, I guess. And it's imitators. Yep. <laughs> like we Resident, love it, folks. Like Resident Evil Reverse. <laughs> we love to see it. Yeah, the, uh, the the main thing people were saying about Resident Evil Reverse is like, oh, it's Fortnite. If it looked a thousand times worse. <laughs> it's like they, they just uh, recycled the character models for a bunch of characters like Leon and Claire and Jill from uh, from the RE2 and RE3 remakes, but added like a weird, like grainy, like 1980s built into your VHS camcorder filter over everything. Hmm. It's it's weird. It was a weird choice. Yeah, can't say it was a good one, but it was novel. Yeah, and uh, so. You know, presumably there will be like an, an open beta once that gets closer to may, once we get closer to May. So may have more to say on that in the future. But yeah, in the meantime, doesn't look great. No, but yeah, at least it's not the main game. No, yeah, the, the main game does uh, look uh, really good so far. Uh, like I said, it's heavily indebted to Resident Evil 4, which is still in like my top probably five games of all time. Yeah. Wasn't well, that still generally considered by most people to be one of the best games ever made? Uh, uh probably. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, because yeah, I, 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 like, I didn't play it when it came out, but uh, I know everybody else did, and uh, they just went ape shit over that game for 
the better part of a decade. Uh, yeah, because it was originally supposed to be a GameCube exclusive, but it ended up being ported to like every platform every ma- ever made because people just would not stop buying this fucking game. <laughs> Did uh, Xbox multiple ever people bought multiple copies off across different platforms just because it was an excuse to like play it again. Did uh did Xbox ever get a copy? You know, I don't think it ever did. I think it was only Nintendo and Sony platforms. Uh, and when Windows Windows got a copy, Windows okay. got a copy. I don't think the Xbox ever did. I am going to just chalk that up to uh, the Japanese just really hating the Xbox. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> like just high level pettiness to release uh, this very incredibly popular game on every uh, every console except for the Xbox. Well, the the director uh, Shinji Mikami was so in love with the the GameCube that he want that it was like an agreement with Capcom that it had to be an exclusive. And I think he actually quit the company over them porting it to the PlayStation. Uh, okay, interesting choice. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure why he felt so strongly about Nintendo's purple lunchbox. Like, I like the cube, but you know, not enough to you know. Not enough to throw away my career over it. Uh, speaking of Resident Evil 4, the remake of that hasn't even been officially announced and it's already seemingly in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, enough information has leaked out to where um, it is. it apparently went into production in 2018. So two, almost three years ago, d- depending on uh, what month. And uh, it was under the guidance of uh, uh, not Capcom, but an outside producer called M2, which was the same company that produced the uh, uh, RE3 remake, which was met with Luke, uh, positive sales, but very lukewarm reception from fans. So it seems hmm. like Capcom looked at the reception that they got from uh, RE3 remake and said like, okay, well, your, uh, your services are no longer required. We're going to take this back in-house. And did that did that go over well? Were they just kind of like, yeah, this is probably for the best? Uh, as, as far as uh, M2's response, because they haven't... Uh, they, they're probably not allowed to make an official response because the game was never officially confirmed in the first place. Mm. So they're probably buried under a, a pile of uh, NDAs. So. Yeah. But um, yeah given that the game was originally uh, intended for like a 2023 release and now it is in the hands of a new developer and the original RE4 on the GameCube took like, Jesus, I want to say seven years in development. It's not looking great. But, you know, for, on the one hand, you would rather probably wait to get like a, a better quality game. And I would. Also- I would, but I'm not sure that the higher-ups at Capcom will feel the same way since, you know, there, there is a history of companies uh, shoveling uh, stuff out like six months before it's really ready because they got to squeak under the, uh, the the barbed wire of their financial year. Yeah, I mean, Capcom's not as bad point. about that as, say, like Konami, but... Yeah, well, also, I don't know if they would, uh, like, kneecap, you know, what could be, like, one of the biggest games of the decade in that way so i would hope not um personally i feel like they i don't want to say that they shouldn't have remade resident evil 4 because there is stuff in the old game that either is dated or you know just like things that they could do with new technology like having larger crowds of ganados to fight or you know just even changing the tone from the uh like cheesy almost james bond tone of the original to a more like serious tone like in the resident evil 2 remake but i would say i would have liked if instead of uh remaking re4 right out of the gate they would have focused on one of the shittier resident evil games mm. like well, i mean yeah that's that comes back to our uh, the philosophy of remakes that we've talked about before which is you know instead of remaking something that was already good you should probably prioritize things that could have been good but were not yeah, like uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica still remains divisive among fans. I personally think that that game is not very good, but there are good things that you could do with it. Yeah. Resident Evil Zero uh, certainly had ideas. Like, I would say even pretty good ideas, but really fucking dropped the ball in terms of execution. 
So either of those two would have been, uh, to me, much better candidates for a remake than RE4, which I still... Uh, well, they, they also know that they're going to make roughly $500 trillion if they remake Resident Evil 4, right? Which is what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, not, not an artistic decision, but a financial one. Right. So not on all things considered, not too surprising that they would go for Resident Evil 4 first. But they, they even could have just done a, a stopgap um, measure because there is like... Uh, a, a still a strong community around RE4 and uh, one team in particular has uh, been working for like a couple of years just to like up res RE4 to like 2k just like recreating all of the textures by hand yeah and it's like okay don't remake Resident Evil 4 yet remake Veronica or Zero or even do like another remake of uh, Resident Evil 1 and, you know, in the meantime, just, like, pay those modders to, like, uh, upscale Resident Evil 4 and release another port. That, I that, mean, by the, by the time they finish, people would, everybody will probably have, like, 16K TVs, though, so. Well, you know, you, you say by the time they finish, but if they gave them, like, money and resources, they could get it done in, like, a weekend. True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, it takes so long because it's, like, eight guys working in their free time. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I would do. Yeah, so it wouldn't be a remake per se, it would just be kind of a, uh, a like remaster. remaster. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Remaster RE4 and re-release it. Uh focus on remaking the shittier games that had, you know, had at least had ideas. And then, you know, pick a remake of RE4 down the line. Yeah. Especially since uh your uh your current RE game, RE Village is already shaping up to be very Resident Evil 4 vibes anyway. You might you might want to put some more distance between those two. Well, anything further on the Resident Evil? No, that's basically it. They have another CG movie coming out, but who really cares? Yeah. There's there's like 10 people who watch those. So, yeah. Um it's ba- basically the same people who uh saw like uh Final Fantasy 7 like uh ad- Advent Rising or spirits within or whatever they were and just being like this movie changed my life yeah yeah the, the all all 10 people who actually like that movie yeah yeah the other major uh, news was that on uh noon sunday uh legendary released the full trailer for godzilla versus kong a right. uh, a, a movie that you were still uh questioning uh if it was even still happening yeah so uh, yeah, you uh, you just watched uh, the trailer for it like five minutes before we went on the air. So um, uh, why don't you give me your first impressions? Um, I mean, I saw a lot of uh, giant monsters beating the shit out of each other. I saw a lot of explosions, um, and that's from this legendary franchise. That's basically what I'm here for. Did you pick up on any of the uh, the story cues they were laying down? Um, there was a girl. And she was like King Kong's friend. Oh, and and, and that's it. That's that's all you got. And uh, they needed King Kong to fight Godzilla because Godzilla was attacking for reasons. Well, yeah, that's that's the main thing is like Godzilla went from being a benevolent presence in the previous movie to just wrecking shit. And they don't know why. Yeah. And Martians. And did you also catch a, a short clip of a very mechanical looking foe uh wrecking shit in a city that i did not catch no are you are you uh are you suggesting that we might have a mecha godzilla on our hands i believe that that, that a mecha godzilla is in play yeah I, yeah i think we're going i think we're going cosmic here we got aliens folks i don't the, think whole, the whole damn thing's full of aliens i don't think it's aliens and i'll say why so like when More i watch people? when i watch the trailer one of the things i noticed is like hmm Godzilla's looking kind of red in some of these scenes. And like my first instinct was uh Sheen Godzilla. Yeah. They're like maybe an homage to that. Like he's got some weird radiation going on. Then I saw the clip with uh Mecha Godzilla, and it's like there was a movie where like Godzilla does turn up and is wrecking shit for reasons no one can gleam. And then it turns out, oh, it's not actually Godzilla. It's just Mecha Godzilla wearing a fake Godzilla skin. <laughs> uh, very Scooby-Doo. 
you know, they have they have Godzilla tied up at the end and they uh, just pull off the rubber mask and reveal Mechagodzilla. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that happened in the 1974 uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. So it's I, b- I believe that was the, just the wasn't that just the introduction of Mechagodzilla? No, because Mechagodzilla had been around before that. I'm pretty sure. Mm. But, you know, yeah, that was that was his introduction in that canon of films. Yeah. But so, uh, yeah, I, I would, you know, considering that, uh, you know, spoiler alert for the last movie, uh, you know, Ghidorah's dead, I believe. Or they, they, they preserved dead. like his head, right? Ghidorah's like somebody... dead, but there was a post credit stinger where Tywin Lannister has acquired a like head one of his heads. Yeah. That was not destroyed in the battle, which, you know, given that. Mecha Ghidorah? Given that. Uh, Ghidorah's healing factor and you know the apparent existence of giant robots my suspicion that what's going to happen is they're going to use the head to make a giant cyborg Godzilla clone which is impersonating Godzilla and fucking shit up which you know instigates the plot of why they have to kidnap Kong to fight him and then the real Godzilla is going to show up and Mecha Godzilla will start to transform into Mecha King Ghidorah, and then the Mothra Mark II that was te- that was also teased at the end of uh, King of the Monsters will also uh, resurrect and join the fight. You're just really going into the toy box here and just pulling out all of the figures and just bashing them together. <laughs> well, that that was set up. You know, there in yeah. the, the the credit scene of uh, King of the Monsters, there was a newspaper clip saying that. Monarch ventured into uh, Mothra's territory and found another egg. And that's also pretty uh, consistent with Mothra's whole deal is that she dies all the time, but she never stays dead for she she's never entirely killed and never stays dead for very long. Yeah, it's kind of like her uh, her whole divinity angle. So, uh, what would you say is your general hype level for this? My hype is maximum. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this comes out on uh, March 26th, and um, yeah, fuck it. I'm, I'm actually going to a movie theater physically just so I can see this uh, see this bitch in IMAX. Yeah. Plague be damned. It's a big theater. I'll, 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 I'll wear a gas mask the whole movie if I have to. <laughs> just, got, just sitting in there in a fucking hazmat suit. You're just bouncing up and down like the dude from the meme that's like throwing popcorn all over the place. Yeah, yeah, obviously I can't eat the popcorn, so I'm just buying it to throw it all over the place. Yeah, yeah, you're just throwing it at the mask. It's just bouncing off. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, after a, a pretty uh, a mixed uh, start to uh, the new year, uh, this past week has uh, at least uh, had some gems, you know? Yeah. Le- legit have shit to look forward to for the first time in what feels like a while. Yeah, so... I mean, obviously, of the things that we just talked about, um, I'm more interested in the Godzilla versus King Kong than in the Resident Evil game. But, uh, you know, still. Hey, hey, horror is horror. Yeah, quite hype. And on that note, we are going to go to break, and then we will be back with our topic for the duration of the evening. Stay tuned. Indeed. Beverly Hills is known as a society of wealth and privilege, but Billy Whitney doesn't seem to be getting his share. He thinks everyone is out to get him, even his friends. He never were one of us. He thinks that he doesn't belong. He believes he's seeing things, bad things, beyond reality. Is it just his imagination? I'm not paranoid. All my fears are real. Or has Billy uncovered something terrible, something unspeakable? If you don't follow the rules, Billy, bad things happen. I know you'll make such a great contribution to society. And now Billy is fighting for more than just his sanity. He's fighting for his life. The time is coming for Billy to take his place. In society, it's all about fitting in. So we are back, and for the duration of this evening, we're going to be starting a new segment that uh, we're going to make a make into a recurring thing. Yes. 
We're calling it The Conquest of Goo. It's going to be a series highlighting uh, anti-capitalist themes in horror films. So and, named... you know, and also, you know, sci-fi, sort of, you know, the more ancillary stuff that's like touching on horror. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, the fringe. Yeah. Gotta love the fringe. Yeah. Um, if there is enough goo, it probably counts. Yeah. And we are starting off this series with a banger. It is... You want goo. You got goo. It does have goo. Honestly, not as much goo as I thought it would have. Like, the way you described it to me, I was expecting, like, Nickelodeon goo fountains. <laughs> but, you know, it's still pretty gooey. It yeah. is from the... Well, they, they, they condense most of the goo down to, like, the last 15 minutes. Yeah, it is. And that's the, just a literal goo orgy. It is from the producer of Reanimator, another very gooey movie. Yeah. It is 1989's Society, directed by Brian Usna. Starring Billy Warren, starring Billy Warlock, Concetta Diagnes, and Ben Slack. Yeah. Folks, societies, we do live in them. It's where yeah. we are going to spend the rest of our lives. For the uninitiated, the storyline goes like this. Bill, played by Billy Warlock, is worried that he is different from his sister and parents. They mix with other upper-class people, while Bill is more down-to-earth, more of a... More of a regular uh, Southern California guy. Even his girlfriend seems a little bit off. All is revealed when Billy returns home one night to find a party in full swing. A very gooey party, not for the weak of heart. That, yeah, that pretty much uh, sums up the first, like, the first act. So what would you say that society is really about? Um, <clears throat> well, okay, so what, uh, in just in terms of like the basic plot, it is about... All of uh, society is controlled by uh, this species that appears human, but uh, are actually not human. And they're not uh, invaders or anything like that either. They have actually always been here and they've always been in control. They've always been the ruling class. And so... And they are body shifters, almost of like a John Carpenter's The Thing-esque quality. Yes. And that's why they're able to blend in with us so well when they choose to. And uh, they appear to operate on primarily an orgy-based economy. Uh, they call it the shunting. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, all of the... They have all of these kind of, like, uh, sort of high-society uh, black-tie events that are actually just cover for them to all get together and suck and fuck each other. Uh, while also cannibalizing innocent humans, some of whom they have raised themselves... Yes. And that's how Billy enters the picture. He is, he seems different from his uh, sister and parents because he is different. He is a legitimate human who was seemingly adopted by this race of uh, coastal elites uh, for the express purpose of breeding him for livestock. Yeah. Hence why they always tell him, you will be a great contribution to society one day. Yes. And I do like that the overall tone of the film is so discordant with uh like the premise because it it is shot like an episode of uh, baywatch or 90210 it's funny you mentioned that since uh billy warlock did end up going to work on baywatch yeah yeah well i mean he's got the hair yeah um but yeah given the whole angle of coastal elites you know raised uh taking children and raising them for bizarre rituals i'm really glad that this movie a came out in the 80s B, wasn't a hit in the United States, and C, was largely forgotten. Yes. Because it was an actual movie that was a success. I can just already hear the Q freak show getting their grubby mitts on it and declaring it like a message from inside the belly of the beast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, sorry, this movie is not for you. <laughs> no, no. We actually know who it is for, and we'll get into that in a minute. But yeah. Uh because there are a lot of films that have like, you know, anti-capitalist or, uh, ca you know, capitalist critiques built into them, like themes like that. Uh, and they can vary in, on a scale of, you know, their level of subtlety. This one, uh, not subtle at all. But that's also kind of why it would like resonate with the with the Q Freak Show, because like they they think that they are the resistance and that it's a handful of the good ones who are on their side. Yeah, the uh, the white hats, they call them. Is that it? Yeah, 
white hats and black hats. It's a reference to, you know, like old cowboy movies because these people's brains have been rotted out by entertainment. Which is ironic considering that they think that uh, Hollywood is like their Babylon. Yes. Well, that's where they're doing all of the, uh, the, the cannibalism and pedophilia. Which is a thing in this movie. Yes. <clears throat> but this one takes place in Beverly Hills. Well, you know, that's that's just where uh, no one actually lives in a Hollywood. They all live in like Beverly Hills or uh, maybe Pasadena. Uh, Pasadena. Pas- yeah, pa- this was actually shot in Pasadena. Yeah, actually, as a, ma- uh, a fun fact, the uh, hospital that they shot some of the some, like some of the segments on, uh, that's the same hospital that they used in Halloween, too. Uh, more interesting uh, tidbit is that the uh, the main mansion where Billy and his family and, uh, you know, all of the shunting takes place, that is actually the Wrigley Manor in Pasadena. Yeah, yeah of the uh, Wrigley Gum Fortune. And also of Wrigley Field in Chicago. And yes. it's also the headquarters of the uh, the Tournament of Roses in Pasadena, which is like one of the, you know, highest of the high upper class events on the West Coast. You know, nationwide, it's basically that and like the opening of the Met in New York. Yeah. So and um, I really when they rented out the uh, the headquarters of the uh, Tournament of Roses, I really don't know if they knew what they were planning to do to that house. (laughs) Um, Even if they did, I doubt they would have gotten it since uh, the wealthy are famously very stupid. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. Just scroll through uh, Elon Musk's Twitter feed for a few minutes. You'll find plenty of evidence. The. yeah, he's like if uh, Kevin Smith's uh, quote on failing upward just like gained sentience and started walking on two legs. Yep. And ne- fortunately, he now has $240 billion. So he's probably going to use most of that to uh, try and uh, escape to Mars and, you know, leave behind the burning wreckage of the Earth. Well, I mean, it's also Elon Musk who will probably use like most of it to take acid and shit his pants while Grimes talks tries to uh, talk unfortunate female celebrities into an ill-advised three-way. True. <laughs> yeah, actually, that it's, it's, it's that, much more... That's it's not even a joke. Like a, that's a thing that literally happened. Yeah. Yeah, so it's much more of like a, this is what we aspire to, this is what we got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, he's honestly less threatening than Bezos because at least Bezos seemed to have his shit together. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes it it makes him a lot funnier than Bezos. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're both uh, equivalently evil, but uh, Musk is much more of a moron. Yeah, he uh, got a lot of diamonds, though. Emeralds. Oh, is it em- emeralds? Yeah, his, uh, his uh, poppy owned an emerald mine that he stole in South Africa. Yeah. Hence, hence the story of uh, Elon Musk literally walking around the quad in college trying to pick up uh, chicks by just, like, pulling out a fistful of emeralds out of his pocket. You're very, very normal. Yeah. <laughs> well-adjusted guy very normal and good and good and normal yeah. i am normal i am the most normal you're not normal i mean hey anyway, we... we had to, we had to uh move from uh south africa in 1990 for no particular reason uh, and so now i'm here and i have a pocket of emeralds would you like some <laughs> i mean hey if i had as little game as that man <laughs> but anyway back to the movie back to the movie <laughs> so yeah um when this movie came out in 89 uh, despite being extremely American, it was, you know, honestly kind of like a John Hughes movie crossed with a John Carpenter movie. It didn't really gain any traction. Yes. But you know what? That, that is a very good way of summing it up, is John Hughes meets John Carpenter. Yeah. You know where it did gain traction was Europe. Yeah. Because A, they love critiques of the upper crust. B, they love goo. And C, they love kinky sex. Yeah. This movie and actually, if they can get all three of those things in one place, come on. This movie actually has one of my favorite lines in any movie ever. Um, when uh, uh, Billy's, I don't know, what, what do you call her? It's like, not his girlfriend, but the girl he's cheating on his girlfriend with. When she offers him tea, is like, how do you like your tea? Cream? Sugar? Or would you like me to pee in it? Yeah. Like, yeah they're, and they're, you tell me this movie was big in Germany. Yeah, I was about to say a, a thousand German erections just went. Yeah, and considering that Billy Warlock went on to work on uh, Baywatch along with Germany's Bay David Hasselhoff, I'm sure that only helped boost the movie's profile. <laughs> yeah, though uh, apparently Brian Usna was uh, surprised that it didn't become a big hit in the U.S. Well, yeah, you know. he, you know, uh, America. I'm, I'm sure he. I'm sure he. Uh, I'm sure he knew what he was doing. Uh, it's just America that wasn't ready for it. 
<laughs> you're not ready for my art, man. <laughs> it's kind of what happened, honestly. Yeah. No, I mean, frankly, I'm surprised that you're surprised that this movie about, you know, scum sucking uh rich goo people didn't uh didn't become a big hit in like Reagan's America. He should have known that he was pitching against the conception the uh, the conventional wisdom. Yeah. It, though, you know, like time, but honestly, time, if he time did vindicated know, him. If he did know that, he probably wouldn't have made the movie the way that he did. He would have made it more of like an uh an outsider movie instead of like you know framing it like a fucking John Hughes teen drama. Yeah. So honestly, I'm glad that he didn't like really get it. Um <clears throat> there was also a uh a one shot where um Billy's friend Milo He's uh wearing. You can see him in in a uh, one scene wearing a T-shirt that says "Eat the Rich." Uh, which one's Milo? Uh, the one who lives or the fat kid? The one who lives. Okay. And apparently that shirt actually belonged to Brian Usna. <laughs> eh. He just threw it threw it threw it on him. It was just like, yeah, this this will work. And uh, the writer of the movie, uh, Woody Keith, um, he actually evidently did grow up in Beverly Hills and was like surrounded by all these people. Hence, you know. And he based more than a few of them off of, uh, you know, people he actually knew. Right. Which, ex- which explains the being of uh, Clarissa, the, uh, <laughs> you know, what do you call him? The society et who uh, uh, joins up with Billy. The socialite? Yeah, the, the socialite who joins up with Billy and Milo. Uh, she, she, I, I kind of read her as basically like his self, his class trader self insert. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's basically why she exists. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that is an uh, an important theme that you should probably point to is that uh, basically, uh, you know, none of the none of uh, Billy's, uh, you know, struggle against the uh, rich goo people would have been possible without a class traitor amongst their mists. Mm, yes and no, because like she does sympathize uh, with uh, uh, with the uh, the non socialites, but it's ultimately Billy himself who gets himself out of it. Yeah. Like he challenges the uh, the fucking Cobra Kai looking uh, bully to uh, fisticuffs and ends up winning on his own merit. Well, yeah, emphasis on the fist. <laughs> yeah, fantastically by fisting this guy so hard. Yeah, he fists this guy to death. Yeah, it. I I want to say like he he does. He's like getting his ass kicked, but when he's on his knees, he just shoves his fist up his ass and then yanks him inside out like a yeah. t-shirt. <laughs> I want to call it a Mortal Kombat fatality, but I don't even think Mortal Kombat has ever had a fatality where someone got fisted to death. <laughs> no, I don't believe they did. Like I played all them games, and I, I uh, that's that's a new one. Yeah, and honestly, like I think that's one of the best parts is when he does uh, waste that guy by fisting him, and like all of a sudden, all of the uh, the socialites turn into total pussies. Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, without their money and without their uh, their class to protect them, it's like, oh, shit, we're actually in t- we're actually like giant bitches. Yeah, because af- after Billy, because Billy, us, the, the proletariat like a... can fist us to death any time uh, they realize they realize that they can. Yeah, well, because like at the after Billy fists the, the bully to death, uh, you know, he's in that room and they're surrounded by like 100 of these goo monsters. And they're just kind of like, you're never going to get away with this. And he's just like, bitch, watch me. Yeah, he, he slaps the he slaps his uh, f- uh his fake daddy, but yeah, it's like yeah, what are you gonna do about it? Turns out the work it turns out the workers are stronger than the uh, the owners. And I got the yeah. goo on my fist to prove it. <laughs> so it's a fantastic movie with excellent politics and awesome uh, body horror and goo. Yeah, um, yeah. Hon- honestly, also, also, also apparently, uh, Usna like when he was filming the the climax, the shunting scene. Um, he said that he uh, purposefully avoided using blood because he was worried about uh, backlash from the MPAA. I don't know, man. That's... <laughs> I watched the same movie you did, and that seems like... Honestly, they call it the shunting, but I just call it the eclipse <laughs> because it's... Yeah, you're just doing berserk shit when Griffith like betrays all of his friends and colleagues and turns them over to like rape monsters that eat them alive. It's like, yeah, that's... It, it's just the eclipse. You're, you're you're doing a berserk <laughs> you're doing exactly one berserk and and billy warlock is the guts i guess yeah i can see that just without a sword 
doesn't need one. He has a fist. Yeah, he has a fist. <laughs> with a, and with a fist like that, who needs a sword? So, yeah, society. Um, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Yeah. Would be a 10 uh, out of 10, but it needed more goo. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say 9 out of 10 is probably a pretty good spot for it. Maybe a, I would give, probably give it like an 8.5 for me. Honestly, yeah, there are there are problems with it. Like, um, what the fuck was the deal with Clarissa's mom, who just is yeah. like a giant... <laughs> I was just like, wow, what a wacky non sequitur. <laughs> a giant fumbling oaf who likes to eat hair. Yeah. I don't think she ever gets a line. She's just basically a like a, a hair-eating Frankenstein monster. Yeah, so I kind of like that uh, they put her in the movie uh just uh, like i'm assuming that everybody on the production was just like looking at yuzna and just being like um do you ever get to explain this nope <laughs> uh, all righty then it was a different time 1989 yeah everybody was on enough coke to kill a racehorse and like it's it, it, certain things are never made clear about how this universe works so like do they just like eat the people or do they like assimilate them thing style to where they produce like a body double no i think they just like basically like suck them dry and how do you explain the 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 one kid getting his throat slit but then coming back well he was one of them wasn't he He, maybe i don't know the 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 fact you're talking about like the the debate team nerd yeah the fact that i'm not sure kind of proves my point yeah yeah i mean it's not a perfect movie but you know it's very very fun I also love that during uh, the shunting scene, they're playing like Blue Danube. <laughs> it's like doing, yeah, they're, they're just doing like a grotesque parody of like a high society, you know, ball. Yeah. Well, and also uh, the closing theme of the movie is uh, the Eaton boating song, which is like, uh, like kind of like a school song for uh, Eaton uh, College over in the UK, which is basically like where all of these goo monsters go to school. Oh yeah, and also like uh, the judge, you know, he uh, he offered the the Cobra Kai kids like, you know, I have an internment ship for in Washington that I think would be great for you until yep. he got fisted to death, and then he just yeah, I think the last line that's going to be a no on the internship then. I think the last line in the movie he says is like, well, I guess I have an opening in Washington, <laughs> which is kind of another interesting thing because like the whole entire uh, concept of uh, internships is kind of like. A classist point that doesn't get touched on enough. Yeah. Well, because you have to be able to, while you're working, you know, especially an unpaid internship, you have to be able to uh, support yourself while you're working uh, for free, uh, which, you know, most people can't afford to do. Like, I know I certainly fucking couldn't have done it. Yeah. So, yeah. It, uh, from the side of the, uh, the business or the office or whatever, it's, you know, slave labor, essentially. And yeah. the side of the other, and it's also you know a, a barrier to keep the filthy pores out. Yeah. So um yeah, if you uh, if uh, you or your company do uh, inter- internships, fuck you. Yeah, because I mean, uh, it's you're, obviously you're performing. Obviously, uh, interns are performing free labor, but the trade-off is that you know they get the connections that are eventually going to help them become the uh, the boss in a few years' time. You know what's the right? That, you know what's the right way to do that? What? Uh, Roger Corman used to hire uh, grunts, and uh, he would assign you a task like uh, uh, sweep this room, and based on how well you sweep this room, you would get promoted to like, you know, a production assistant or a camera operator, and eventually all the way up to a director. Mm. But you know, you actually got a paid job, and based on how you know how good of a worker you were, you actually got promoted. Yeah. It was actual meritocracy instead of the phony meritocracy that, you know, people pretend matters. Right. So of all <clears throat> of all of the uh, the films that we're going to be talking about during the Conquest of Goo episodes, uh, I think that this one is just the most explicit with its messaging. Yeah. The, it's literally called Society and the villains are the upper crust. Yeah. And they, you know, Make no bones about, uh, uh, you know, kind of make, drill, drilling that point home throughout the movie. Right. So if we haven't spoiled the movie sufficiently enough, or, you know, if you're the least bit curious, uh, look up Society, 1989. Yeah. Uh, they did a uh, Joe Bob episode about it a couple of years ago. Sure I did. I believe that's still up. Yep. So it's on Shutter. if you have access to that. 
If not, uh, it's bound to be around somewhere. Yeah. Uh, they did a um, a steel box release of it like maybe a year or two ago. Did they? Yeah, I think they. I saw it at um, Grindhouse. So, um, any parting thoughts on uh, society? Um, if you had to give a pitch of the movie in like thirty seconds, what would you do? Let the shunting begin. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it does grab uh, curiosity. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it, it's it's a movie that I would recommend for anybody who is uh, skeptical of capitalism, who loves uh, horror, who loves uh, like you know late '80s, early '90s, uh, you know Southern California aesthetic, uh, who loves goo. It's a great goo movie, one of the best goo movies, honestly. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, I guess we will say good night. Yeah. See, I was just gonna say, it seems like a pretty good place to leave off here. My name is Ness. And David. And let the shunting begin. And beware the munch. And beware the munch. Good night, y'all.